Welcome to the Conceive Baby Podcast, where you get access to leading international fertility experts to help you conceive and carry your healthy baby. Hi, and welcome to our Conceive Baby discussion today. Today, we're going to be talking about fertility, as always, but from a slightly different perspective. We're going to be talking about an amazing collaborative and celebratory event which is on a mission to change the conversation around fertility. But firstly, if you haven't joined us before, my name's Tasha Jennings, founder of Conceive Baby. I'm a naturopath and nutritionist, seeing fertility patients all over Australia and beyond via Skype and Zoom, as well as the author of The Vitamins Guide and The Fertility Diet. And if you're already part of the Conceive Baby community, you would know I'm passionate about educating and empowering people to improve fertility well-being and provide greater understanding, clarity and choice when it comes to our reproductive health. And today I'm speaking with someone who shares a similar mission. Jessica Hepburn is one of the leading patient voices on infertility, fertility and assisted conception. She is the author of two books, The Pursuit of Motherhood and 21 Miles, Swimming in Search of the Meaning of Motherhood. In 2016, following her 10-year tenure as Executive Director of the Lyric Theatre in Hammersmith in London, she founded Fertility Fest, the world's first arts festival dedicated to fertility, infertility, modern families and the science of making babies. Now, the third edition of this festival will be at London's Bush Theatre from the 23rd of April to the 18th of May 2019, so only in a few weeks. So I appreciate Jessica taking the time out of her very busy preparation schedule to speak with us today. Welcome, Jessica. Oh, thank you, Tasha. It's really great to be here. I should just say, actually, the festival last year was at the Bush Theatre in London, and this year it's at the Barbican Centre. There we go. Glad you clarified that. We don't want to be sending people in the wrong direction. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, yes, the dates were absolutely right, 23rd of April to um, the 18th of May. Yeah. Yeah. So things happening, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Yeah. Well, I'm very excited to talk about it because it is such an exciting event, which, as you said, is the first of its kind, really, um, in, in the world. And it's great to bring these sort of people together to... To, as we said, change the conversation around fertility and infertility. And I know I spoke with you last year for the podcast episode, Finding Meaning in Infertility. Now, if you haven't checked out that episode, I highly recommend uh, listening to that episode where Jessica shares really her personal journey uh, in infertility. So I really appreciate you sharing that. And I know it's a great support for others who are following a similar path. And today we are going to be focusing on that wonderful event, which uh, stemmed from some difficult times. So let's start, I guess, with with how this idea came about for Fertility Fest. Well, I say that, um, well, my um, journey, uh, my fertility journey started when I was 34 years old. I was running a big theatre in London. You mentioned the Lyric Hammersmith. Um, and I actually thought that 
fitting a baby into my really busy life and career was the hard thing. Um, I didn't actually bargain for the fact that having a baby was going to be um, the really hard thing for me. And after a year of trying naturally, um, my partner and I were diagnosed with unexplained infertility, and that was the start of what would become a decade-long um fertility treatment journey that involved a, le- a total of 11 rounds of unsuccessful IVF. Um, mm. And we talked about that in, in the last time we spoke, Tasha. Yes, yeah. And for the majority of that period, like many, many people, I was very secretive about what I was going through. I didn't even tell my closest family and friends. Um, and... And, and I think that's something that a lot of people share. And, you know, I think there are a whole range of reasons for it, from sort of not feeling like a proper woman to hoping that next month the nightmare is going to be over and you're going to be able to join the mummy club too. Um, to sort of also feeling, you know, that you, you know, after women have fought for so long to be seen as more than wives and mothers, to have careers, that somehow it was you know, a portrayal of feminism to say that actually my life wasn't enough with this amazing job, that really all I wanted to do was become a mother. And then and then what happened was that um, I had a quite a late ectopic pregnancy um, after a round of IVF that was only diagnosed at three months and um, was in my abdomen. Then I had a, um, followed that with um a late miscarriage and uh, and it was around about then and I just sort of turned 40 that I started writing about my experiences mm. and, um, and, and that was what led to my first book which you mentioned which came out five years ago this month actually called The yeah. Pursuit of Mother and it changed my life completely in many different ways I'm sure we'll start talking about them but one of the things that happened and I think this was partly because of um, my role running, you know, like in the wider world, I, I was no one, but in my small theatre world, I ran a big theatre in London. And people started to contact me um, about the, uh, the, the work that they were doing, um, creative work that they were doing, theatre makers, dancers, musicians, filmmakers, other writers, um, visual artists. And, and that was where the idea was born. What if we could bring all this work together in one place? Um, and, and, and what, what could be achieved through that? And that, and that was really the birth of what has become Fertility Fest, which is now going into its, um, third edition. Yeah, which is an exciting difference. I think there's a lot of, you know, there's medical side of things. You know, we see that a lot in fertility, obviously. But to see the arts involved, which is such an important area because the emotional well-being going through infertility, I mean, there's studies to show that that infertility diagnosis is, you know, is akin to, you know, a cancer or serious illness diagnosis. It is something that needs that outlet. Uh, no, absolutely. I, yeah, I totally agree with you. And a lot of the artists uh, that we're working with, um, their work has come out of their own personal experience. But, mm. but by all, not by all means, all of them, you know. Um, and, and I'm really interested in that. I want um, as many conversations as possible because the thing that I'm always trying to say is that this is fertility and infertility. Um, you know, ways people making families today with or without reproductive science, uh, you know, affects everybody. This isn't Mm. what 
um, you know, when my first book came out, that people were saying, well, this is a niche subject. You know, it's, uh, I understand it's a difficult subject. It's a subject that involves sex. We don't like talking about sex. It involves sex working. We definitely don't like talking about that. It involves a lot of pain. Um, But uh, it isn't a niche subject. It is a, a worldwide subject that affects everyone in some shape or form. Because mm. as human beings, we have the ability or the inability or the choice to, ha- to have a child or not, you know. So, and that's really what we're trying to explore and sort of unlock. And I agree, unlocking that. I think because a lot of people do, and probably people even listening today would be feeling that they're not sharing their story for all the reasons you've mentioned, you know, whether it's guilt, whether it's shame, where there's a lot of reasons people don't want to share their story. So it's great that we're dispelling some of those myths and breaking down some of those barriers that you that people do feel like they can come forward with their story. I know when I first got into to working uh, with fertility patients, the amount of reasonably close friends who came out of the woodwork who said, yes, I've had this many miscarriages or, you know, and it wasn't mentioned at the time. They, they, they kept that to themselves. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, it's... Um it's that's a really common thing that you and 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 I think I think something that I would say and I'm sure we would both say that like people shouldn't feel bad about that that's what mm. most people feel exactly um, but certainly one of the reasons I think Fertility Fest has grown so rapidly and has generated so much interest and got so much traction is that it really genuinely I think is one of the first spaces that has ever been created where there's a sort of level playing field between because we involve many many um, fertility professionals from Mm. scientists, clinicians, academics, counsellors, nurses, um, embryologists, support staff um, in dialogue with artists um, and, and also patients, and it's um, a sort. You use that word collaborative in the introduction. It, it is a very collaborative conversation. There's something about the alchemy that is going on, um, sort of led by artists in dialogue with experts, with patients in the room, that has created a really sort of open and inclusive conversation about these issues that hasn't existed before. And and it also feels like a very supportive environment. This is the thing that we um, we hear over and over again. And um, I'd really, if, you know, people are interested in finding out more, you know, go to our website, which is fertilityfest.com. You can see a trailer about um, this year's festival and about last year's festival and also read the comments that people have said that it feels like you're walking into a space where everybody understands, you know, mm. there's common language and, and it is, it's, it is about a bit like walking into sort of big hug because there's just so much sort of love. And um, I think we would both say, I'm sure that like in fertility clinics themselves, it doesn't feel like walking into a big yes. hug. You know? yes. it, it, it feels like walking into a, you know, intimidating, difficult environment. But Fertility Fest is absolutely the antithesis of that. And I think that's why there's so much excitement about it and why it's, yeah, going worldwide now, yeah. It's very exciting. And you really have filled a gap, I guess, in that space, which is much needed. 
because it can feel very medical, very conveyor belt. Um, and I know I, I work with a lot of IVF clinics and I work with psychologists. It is a collaborative approach when it comes to infertility. It shouldn't just be one thing or the other. We need that collaboration. So what can people expect from Fertility Fest? Because I know it is so different from anything probably people have ever experienced before if they haven't been. Yeah. So, well, as we've discussed already, it's anchored, it's an arts festival. So it's anchored by the work of artists in discussion with fertility experts and patients. Um, And we've been on a big learning curve over the last few years. um, And I, I think we've certainly programmed the biggest festival this year. I hope it might also be the best in the, um, we uh, we've really recognised this is a really multifaceted conversation um, that um, that that there are so many different elements of it, and so it's um, this year's festival is very is quite themed so that you can find the thing that might be of mo- most interest to you. So that that covers everything from trying to conceive, you know, if you're struggling to conceive, you're someone sort of about or in the midst of treatment um, to people who have had successful IVF, so um, pregnancy and parenting after IVF because it's not the same as um, pregnancy and parenting when you haven't been through IVF to um, also conversations about what happens after unsuccessful treatment or um, involuntary childlessness, which might you might not have been through fertility treatment, but that a range of circumstances have meant that you haven't got the children that you imagined or wanted. We also look at the male experience um, we of, of infertility. You know, I think it's, uh, you know, there is more conversation happen- happening around that, but we mm. need more. Um, than that, um, we are, we look at, um, uh, same sex couples, um, and also we're looking at donation and surrogacy. Um, we're also looking at, um, new this year, um, a, a, a strand which is looking, which is called Young, Gifted and Infertile. So it's about being diagnosed. Um, as a young person, either with premature ovarian insufficiency or being born um, without a womb. Um, and uh, and also uh, another thing that we're really exploring this year is race, religion and reproduction, because, um, you know, there are some very specific things to discuss within communities of colour. Um, and we also have a whole strand, which is called, I mean, gosh, I, like, I'm sorry, I feel like there's so much that I'm probably... There is so much. No, it's fantastic. It's great. Yeah, and then we, and the just final couple of things, we have a, um, uh, again, new this year, we have a day which is called What Comes First, The Career or The Egg, which really looks, is very much targeted at people in their 20s and 30s, particularly women who might be thinking, you know, what what do I want to do about this baby question? Um, do I want to, you know, I haven't met the right partner. Do, I, do Should I think about freezing my eggs? Should I think about... Um, solo motherhood um so we, so this is a sort of like flavor and just, but just to reiterate all this is coming out of work that's been made by theater makers dancers musicians visual artists filmmakers writers and so they are providing the provocations for these conversations in in dialogue with fertility experts and the audiences so yeah hopefully something for everyone 
Well, it really is. And when you, I mean, you've spoken about so much there and we think about infertility, you think about one sort of stream of it, but it does have so many facets to fertility and infertility, whatever stage you may be at. And I, I was just reading your missions on the, the website before and I, I love what you're wanting to achieve is to improve um, emotional understanding of the journey, uh, which, as we've said, is such a huge aspect. And the level of public conversation, which, as we said, is is definitely a changing. It's getting there, but it's not at the level that we, we need it to be to support those who are going through. And to improve education for young people, I see that as one of your missions as well, that you are, because we do get so much education around not falling pregnant. I know that was definitely the education I received and obviously, you know, had difficulties myself once, which was a shock. And it really did come as a shock because we are, the education, I guess, we received and it's slowly changing, but it is largely focused on not getting pregnant. So your natural assumption on the flip side is that getting pregnant must be really easy, which we both were led to believe. So can you talk about what, what work you're doing around that? Because that's that's such an exciting field. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's um, it, it's a central part. I mean, actually what you've um, said there, Tasha, is, is really important because we're an arts organisation with a social mission. Mm-hmm. And those things that you've highlighted fertility improving fertility education improving the understanding of what it means to struggle to conceive and go through IVF in order to improve um, mental health care for patients and also just raising all levels of public discourse about reproductive science is is what we're trying to achieve and um, on the education front exactly as you said I mean actually if you ask I mean Lots of people feel differently about lots of things in relation to fertility and infertility. You know, um, whether whether IVF, whether having a baby should be a right, people should have the right to have IVF. Or, um, but but I think the, uh, so. There's lots of different um, opinions about different things. But the thing that I feel that everybody always says whenever I say all the focus in education for young people is on how not to get pregnant. Mm. Agrees, um, mm. and of course, that is really, really important. Um, and uh, I'm not suggesting for a moment that I want teenagers to run out and get pregnant. But Absolutely. Do, yeah. But what I do want is that I want young people to have a more round and robust fertility education, so that they understand their fertility life cycle better so that they understand what reproductive science can do because it's giving many people same-sex couples single women families that didn't have a chance to have families before so Mm. it's it's amazing but also they need to understand what it can't do that actually um 75 percent certainly in this country of cycles um don't work uh, so um generally you are going to be on the fertility treatment roller coaster for a while um before you achieve success and that actually if you're open to looking at things like donation or surrogacy particularly if you're older or you've got complex problems then actually your chances of um uh, a successful pregnancy and uh, creating a family are much higher but but it's really um, difficult when we're seeing celebrities in their 40s and 50s getting pregnant and they're mm. not saying that's 
to make donation and young people don't understand that you know so I just want to unlock all this um, and we started last year by doing a, a pilot uh, with some artists again we always use art as the catalyst of the conversation because um, all the research that's been done which absolutely corroborates that, that uh, fertility education amongst young people isn't good enough um, they also say it's very diffi difficult to engage young people sometimes in thinking about about their what where what they might want in 20 years time I mean mm. we know you know other sort of public health campaigns like around smoking you know it's very difficult to say to a young person well you're 16 but actually um you, you, know, you don't want a family now but you do, might need to think about you know what might happen if you start to have a family at 40 you know what what that might mean um so so what the arts do brilliantly is because they're often about stories and ideas you know they're very engaging and they can engage young people um it, it think, thinking about um these issues in a really clever um way and so we did a pilot um this year, uh, oh, sorry, last year, um, with a group of young people, just to sort of see how the combination of the arts with the facts might um, land, and um, and it was really successful. And we're we're hoping. I mean, it, certainly in the UK, it reached the front page of a, like, a major newspaper and then spawned a like national debate about whether education should be better, fertility education should be better in schools or not. Um, so we're hoping this year around Fertility Fest, you know, all these things are funding dependent, you know, um, mm. to, uh, to do the next stage, which, um, you know, would really continue the process of, trying to win hearts and minds around this, you know, actually make people realise that, as I said, children aren't, that young people can hold two things in their head at the same time. They can hold a better fertility education and that your fertility is running out and um, these things might be useful to think about alongside it might not be a good idea to run out and out and get pregnant right now as a 16-year-old. You know, I really believe that sometimes we underestimate what young people, you know, how intelligent they are. And that I think that they, but we do have to do some work to persuade people that um, a better fertility education for young people is not something to be fearful of. It's not infertility scaremongering. It's actually a really positive thing, which will give young people better life choices. Um, because what I, you know, fundamentally, what I want is that I don't want, and I'm speaking about women here, to, you know, have done everything right, gone to school, gone to university, focused on their careers, been picky about finding a, the right partner who's going to be their intellectual and emotional equal. And then they get to their mid-30s, which they thought, which is what happened to me, the perfect time to have a child um, which in some respects it is, and, you know, if it happens, fantastic, and then suddenly realise that there's all this information that they didn't have and they're not prepared, and yeah. the IVF actually is a miracle science, but it, does, it doesn't work every time for everyone, and most people have to be on that IVF journey for quite a while before it's successful, and they're just not – uh, people are just not prepared for that. Yeah, sorry. As you can no. see, I get I'm very passionate about that as well. I agree because it's more the I the understanding of how our body works, how our cycles work. I think a lot of people aren't aware that even in our twenties, twenty five percent of the eggs we release at ovulation aren't viable. 
They're not yes. capable of creating a baby. And as we get older, that viability decreases. And now, you know, in our 40s, it's up to, you know, 80, 90% of those eggs are possibly not viable. As you said, IVF is amazing, but it doesn't do any more than what the body is doing on its own. It takes the egg and the sperm, it puts them together and puts them back in, which is great if there's a blockage or a functional issue. But I think thinking that IVF is that magic bullet for um, age-related infertility is not the case. And it also means that if you do go down that fertility IVF journey, as you said, it's going to take a lot of cycles before you catch that egg that is is going to be viable. Yeah. And there's so much you can do to understand the lifestyle choices, the dietary choices, and even understanding your cycle in general. I know when I was trying to conceive, I I was a naturopath. I wasn't specializing in fertility, but I knew the menstrual cycle. I knew the textbook cycle. But I realized in hindsight, I had no idea what was going on inside my body. Yeah. So I think just educating people around their cycles when their fertile window is just an understanding. As we said, you know, the message about not getting pregnant is a very valid one. And we don't want to under, underscore that at all. Um, but we want to be saying that this is the message on the other side, as you said, that this is what's going on inside your body. These are your a way you can fall pregnant and understanding the fertility timeline as well. As you said, I think these celebrities falling pregnant in their 40s, even 50s um, these days is misleading for some people yes. who think that, yeah, I'll still be fine when I'm 40. Absolutely. And I, I agree with everything you're, you're saying and um you know, the, the, the two things that I would add to that, Tasha, are, are firstly that, um, you know, like, of course, there are, what's so challenging about this is that there are exceptions. You yeah. know, of course, there always be people who get pregnant naturally at 47, you know, and yeah. there, will, yeah. there will be people who get on the IVF. I mean, I know plenty of people for whom IVF also has worked first time. I know yeah. more people for whom it hasn't worked first time. But mm. so, that, so, so what, that's what's so difficult about this, that there are always exceptions, but a better understanding of everything. Um, and exactly as you say, our life cycle, uh, our, our cycles will, will put everyone in a, um, in a better position. And then the second thing that I would say is, um, I mean, and you were talking, uh, you know, about the, the body and the clinical journey. And I, my, I suppose my focus being an artist and running a, an arts festival, being a writer and running an arts festival is I'm, I'm always thinking about the emotional journey. And, yes, which is um, so important. Yeah, and, and, and I think the thing, the, thing, the thing that I always say when I give talks is I say by far the worst part of going through 11 rounds of IVF was not the drugs was not was not what was was not the egg, egg collections or it it was the far for me by far the worst part was what was going on in my head mm. um, and how it was um, how I was I became isolated from my friends and my family and my peers because their lives were moving ahead and I was staying still and how I had and I think this is the thing that I always say that I think is the hardest part of the journey is that you don't know how your story is going to end yes. and you have no control of I mean of course we have 
we there are things in our life that we can control and what you need to do is to try and find the things that you can control um and and and, and not focus a hundred percent on the thing that you can't control which is biology you know our, yes. our biology and and however great your IVF doctor is they'll tell you that they can't control it to some extent either mm. you know but, and so I, that's why I just think it's um so important and certainly Fertility Vest is doing this is saying that like this is a really difficult emotional journey that you're going to go on it's likely to last quite a long time and even if it doesn't last as long as it lasted for me which is a decade while you're in it it is terrible and you need to get some know that you are not alone this is what many people are going through but also make sure that you get um some support with that um and obviously things events like fertility fest are an amazing opportunity to get that solidarity and support but i i mean and, and what's brilliant about Fertility Fest is that it's helping to precipitate a change within clinics in that we're seeing better, um, you know, more support groups, male support group, male-only support groups. Yes. With, um, support, you know, during the two-week wait, better follow-up post-IVF, whether it's successful or not successful, better information, uh, you know, at the start of treatment about where you can go for counselling or coaching, what the difference between those two things, because some coaching is right for some people, counselling is right for some people, but you need to know that all that is is like, I mean, you may, again, you one may be the exception and you don't need any of that, you're totally fine, but certainly if you're, I think if, if this is a lasting journey, you are going to need that support and it is no shame because everybody needs it because this is the hardest thing you're likely to go through in your life absolutely and this gives you the ability to reach out because it yeah. is available you're breaking down the barriers and also um, enabling people to understand that it is there for them I mean, we, as you said, yeah. we get no education around this, really. We step into the pregnancy journey going, well, we'll just start trying to get pregnant. There is no, you know, awareness of coaching, counselling, of, of what is available to you. So I think giving people an understanding of, of what support is available to them yeah. and giving them the confidence that this is nothing to do with them. It's not a shameful thing. It's not something we need to hide under the carpets. In fact, it's probably something that your best friend or next door neighbour is going through as well. So we need to talk more about it. Absolutely, because everybody is touched by this in some way. I mean, it's extraordinary. And, you know, the thing that I hear over and over again, the moment someone says, I opened up and then suddenly my friends told me that they'd been through a miscarriage or they'd struggled to conceive their sister was going through IVF. I mean, you can absolutely guarantee that there are other people in your circle who are touched by this. Um, And, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, to forgive the clinics, of course, it absolutely makes sense that they focus on the clinical journey um, and, and using the technology they have. But I think what we try to do, and it is changing, there's more work to be done, of course, but is to say this isn't just a clinical a, a, a journey of the body. It is also a journey of the mind. And mm. you, have to, you have to look after that mind because it's really, really hard. 
Yeah. Yeah, it is. Especially I, I see a lot of patients with unexplained infertility. It's probably the, the number one diagnosis or, or lack thereof, I guess. And one of the most frustrating things I, I get my patients come to me with, I just want to know why. You know, you, you want, as you said, you don't know when this is going to end. You don't know when or if, and you have no reason not to hope for the next cycle, but that's a lot of hoping and a, a lot of, you know, uh, every time they get the period, there's that, you know, uh, you're not with your friends. You're not going on that journey that you thought you would be on when you were, you know, six years old, dressing up and playing mums and dads. So it's it's definitely something that needs the emotional support around, which yeah. which you're doing a wonderful job of creating. So real credit to you and appreciate you being involved in it and talking with us. And I know that not only are you in the UK, just you are going worldwide and you are coming down under for a, a yeah. um, small snippet. Now, can you tell us a bit about the um, yeah. the avalanche that you have coming yeah. down to Australia, which I'm really excited to, to come up and see in Sydney? Yeah, well, um, we're really excited that this year uh, um, at the, our festival at the Barbican is anchored by um, a big show, um, uh, which is a stage adaptation of the Australian writer Julia Lee's IVF memoir, Avalanche, which you mentioned. Mm-hmm. I read it um, a couple of years ago and loved it. Um, she's an incredible writer, and I, having worked in theatre all my life I could I could just see it um translated onto the stage so I'm very honoured that she said yes um she's in fact adapting the book um and it's being um directed by an amazing Australian director called Anne-Louise Sarks um who was one of the leading um theatre uh, female theatre well one of the leading directors in Australia but she also happens to be a woman um, and <laughs> So the show is um, co-produced with Sydney Theatre Company. Uh, And so after it's been at the Barbican in London, it's travelling across to the other side of the world uh, to be with you in um, in August and September. And so I'm hoping also um, we'll create a little mini satellite Fertility Fest event um, there. It won't be as big as it is in London, which is four weeks, but... um, So we'll be there for a few weeks and we'll be there doing our Fertility Fest thing. Yeah. Sounds very exciting. Very much looking forward to to having you down under and seeing that and, and glad that your message is really spreading and yeah. the word is spreading. I think it's because the vehicle you're using, as you said, you're using the arts, which is is not threatening to a lot of people and it can touch yeah. all ages because fertility does touch all ages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it seems to have struck a chord. Long may that continue. Yes, <laughs> fingers crossed. Well, and congratulations on your two books. So where can people go to get your books? I know you've you've the other one was five years ago and you've you've got more your more recent one. Um yeah, yes. the twenty one um, miles. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean you can get them in your bookstore or you can buy them on Amazon or all the sort of online book retailers um if you just um type them in and and more details you can find on my own website uh, which is jessicahepburn.com um but and also there are details about the books on the Fertility Fest website as well but yeah um uh, the first book, The Pursuit of Motherhood, is very much about my my treatment journey. Um, I call it my misery memoir, Tasha. Um, mm. uh, but hopefully, it's uh, 
it's funny as well because you've got to find the humor in sad things and I'm certainly all about that and then um, my second journey um, is called uh, 21 Mile, uh, my second book 21 Miles um, Swimming in Search of the Meaning of Motherhood and the swimming is very significant as you know because um, one of the, th- the other elements of my sort of campaigning work is that I've taken on these big endurance challenges to raise awareness of what it means to struggle to conceive um, and uh, I did the crazy thing of swimming the English Channel the 21 miles from England to France um, and the Um, The only good thing, it seems to me, about um, being in cold water for nearly 18 hours um, is is that it's a license to eat because it's the only way to keep (laughs) Um, And so uh, I went on a journey of meeting 21 famous women to ask them whether motherhood makes them happy um, in order to help me decide what I was going to do next on my own um, motherhood journey. So it's also got, it's a, it's a, a book of female solidarity and wisdom um, uh, as well as uh, my crazy swim. <laughs> and you're also embarking on another crazy adventure. Um, yes. Well, um, I, I don't necessarily, I just always say, I don't advocate this as a way to live. Um, but I, <laughs> I, also, I don't necessarily advocate like going through 11 rounds of IVF. Um, although I actually gave a talk to fertility nurses last week and somebody, a nurse said that she had a patient who was on her 38th round of treatment. Can you believe that? I mean, wow. I was absolutely but I am somebody obviously who likes um big challenges and doesn't give up and so uh yeah I'm in training to climb Everest next year to become the first woman to ever have completed the pond what is known as the pond peak challenge which is to swim the English channel and climb Everest the two most iconic um physical and mental endurance feats on the planet which is a bit like going through IVF so that's why very um, useful in raising awareness of what it means to struggle to conceive. Well, you really are an inspiration on many, many levels. So congratulations on all you've achieved and all you are achieving for the the fertility industry and just for women in general and couples, I should say, as you said, males are very much involved and we, we shouldn't forget that side of the, the issue as well. So congratulations on Fertility Fest. So if anyone wants more details, Fertility Fest is, is what we should, uh, fertilityfestwebsite.com is where you can go for all the information. As you said, you've got a great video there which really showcases everything you're about. Uh, So head along to those. And can you give us the dates again so everyone can head along to Barb Computer? It's in in London um, from the 23rd of April to the 18th of May. Yeah. Excellent. So thank you, Jessica, for taking the time out of your very busy schedule. I know it's coming up very soon. So thank you for taking the time to to share it with us today. speak to you absolutely thank you for taking the time to ask me to be on your show appreciate you being involved and i really hope everyone comes along to fertility fest and i'm so looking forward to seeing you in person it's wonderful that we have this technology but looking forward to seeing you in person when you do come down under to australia and looking forward to um having all the fertility fest goodness here here as well i hope you enjoyed this episode of the conceive baby podcast To help you move forward on your journey to pregnancy, I've created your free fertility checklist for you. 
This checklist provides simple swaps you can make that can have a significant impact on your chances of conceiving and carrying your healthy baby. So be sure to head to conceivebaby.com.au forward slash checklist to download your free fertility checklist today.